0: Welcome to Mornings with Mike. Public safety today. Grab a coffee and sign up to receive your call-in information. Be a part of the show. For more information at any time, please visit www.tapsty.org. Now, let's get started with your host,
1: Mike Posezny. Alright folks, welcome back to Public Safety today for our last segment we've been talking about alcoholics and we're going to summarize this by talking about Prochaska. Uh, Clemente and Prochaska back in 98 uh, and then Prochaska, Clemente, and Norcross in 92 developed a thing called the motivation to change a model and if you get involved in alcohol counseling at all this is this is kind of the foundation for your understanding of what a lot of uh, things are are based around. Prochaska stages of change, like most stage models um, that you will find, uh, evolve. And these have moved from being held as absolute truth to some people are rebuking them now. It kind of depends on how much of different aspects of models of addiction that you uh that you subscribe to, but when we take a look at Prochaska it's kind of a classic scenario for thinking about a person moving through these stages and the The amazing thing about it, if you really look through the whole deal is is it being basically like a five year process so these are the stages that if you move from a crisis intervention mode to a uh, in house or out house uh out of house uh a non-residential kind of environment uh, that people are going to be going through. And the first stage is pre-contemplation. In pre-contemplation, the the alcoholic does not recognize that they have a problem uh, existing. They they're still using the alcohol. The 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 counselor or that therapist will give that alcoholic an assessment, and then will relay the information to the alcoholic in an empathic way that uh, attempts to enhance. The alcoholics motivation to change by trying to make contact and try to bond with them in a therapeutic alliance with the alcoholic through acceptance of them supporting them uh, being you know displaying some empathy for the situation that they're in and being an understanding person and this therapeutic alliance is critical it's, it's critical that you do an effective assessment on the front end that there is some bonding there, some bridge building, that there is respect paid to the professional assessment that you do. The assessment which sets up pre-contemplation is done from the time they walk in the door. It's actually done before they walk in the door, you know, if you really take the totality of circumstances into account. If they have an appointment at 2 o'clock and they pull up in their car, Well, then, A, they still have a license, or at least you're hoping they have a license and they're not breaking the law. Uh, And they park the thing decently between the stripes, you know, like law-abiding people or socially law-abiding people tend to do. Well, then that tells you something about their compliance perspectives. When they walk in the door, you know, do they open the door in an aggressive fashion and slam the thing shut? Are they angry for having to be there? Uh, When they open the door and they walk up to the desk to meet with the receptionist, are they pleasant? How? What is their gait? What is their affect? What what does their mood appear to be? Uh, What's their posture, their body language, the tone and the inflection in their voice? How are they dressed? Are they dressed neatly? Are they buttoned up like you would hope that a normal person would be who had a modicum of self-respect? Or do they look slovenly? Are they shaved? What does their hair look like? Uh, All of these kinds, you're trying to paint this picture, you know, people say first impressions count. Well, in the world of counseling, they really count because you can tell a lot about a person um, uh, from the drugs that they're taking and how those drugs adversely impact uh, the pride that they should have in the social projection of themselves, especially when it comes to a counseling kind of environment, because if they have any yeah uh, if they're thinking consciously at all about what their world is at that point in time that they have had man- counseling mandated by the courts, then they should be trying to impress you with how together they are so that they can then try to manipulate the minimization of the treatment regimen they're going to have to follow. So this pre-contemplation stage now, you're you're getting them into this process. You 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 give them a thorough assessment, you relay the information to them, you show empathy, you show support, acceptance. You know, you're trying to get through those barriers that cause them to be in denial and to be angry and to have those barriers thrown up, right? Next stage, next Prochaska stage is contemplation. All right, this person is still drinking. Or, you know, in the case of uh, marijuana, methamphetamine, they're still using drugs, all right? Alcohol is a drug, so the person is still using drugs. But they have some ambivalence about continuing. They start to entertain thoughts about quitting any counseling, you know, process that they're going to be in. And roughly 40% of alcohol abusers that you make contact with will be found to be in the contemplation stage at whatever point in time. The, the alcoholics may be dissatisfied with what drugs are doing to them, but they may go on for years and years in the contemplation stage without ever moving forward. So it's your job to enhance their motivation to want to change by pointing out what is happening with them as a result of their drug abuse and then looking for resilience that they may have in their drug life to help them in getting out of substance abuse issues all right so pre-contemplation they don't recognize they have a problem they're still using it contemplation they're kind of thinking about it they're not they're not too happy with what the drugs are doing to them but they really don't see a lot of return on investment for stopping using the drugs or they don't have a lot of belief in themselves that they can stop even if they wanted to the next stage is determination slash preparation determination of preparation In determination the person's made a decision to quit in the near future your job is to actuate that decision by being encouraging providing support you know providing listening um, maybe being a little confrontational if you need to give you know the the kick in the butt that they might need uh, to reflect their hopes and their fears and then to use some kind of scaling questions to determine the degree of their pain and the degree of their commitment to being able to live a future drug-free life. And it's this this part of the game here where I have uh, special respect for those people who are recovering alcoholics or recovering drug addicts in that they're able to read a lot of people f- from a gut perspective, you know, looking them in the eye, they're able to read how well that person's moved from contemplation to determination. Just about anybody can set up pre contemplation. If you present yourself professionally, and this is where a lot of interns fulfill the roles and a lot of. Um a lot of non certified counseling personnel kind of fulfill this role. They'll go through the assessment process and they'll kind of do some little bit of, you know, psychoeducational kind of process about what alcoholism might be and this and that. And and they're they're smiley faced and they're cute or whatever the deal is. And so they don't alienate that person. They keep the person in the office and they move them forward. And the contemplation stage there may be some preemptive counseling which is taking place, maybe some one on one maybe they've even been through a group or two but but it's it's that counselor's job to kind of enhance their motivation to start pointing out what it is that the client is sharing with them about what drug abuse has been doing in that determination stage though that's where a person has to start making a commitment, so that takes a different kind of counseling capacity. You know, that takes somebody who can look Joe in the eye and say, Joe, I know what you're going through. I've been there. You know, this this is the benefit of doing what you need to do. So your job is to actuate the decision to, by offering encouragement, peer support, the kick in the butt that they might need, being able to say things only the way that you can say things to them to get the point across. Uh, to determine some degree of whatever the current pain is and what their commitment is going to be to living a a future drug-free life. And this is where the therapist begins to start generating plans on controlling the abuse with the client. This is where in the determination phase, you start getting buy-in from the client on how they can improve their lives. Now you've moved them from contemplation to preparation, from contemplation to determining their future without the use of drugs then comes the action stage only about 20 percent of addicted people can be found in these last three stages which is action maintenance and termination only about 20 percent the person starts to take active steps such as entering treatment to change their addictive behaviors the therapist in the action step then accentuates positive coping skills helps the client monitor for triggers and cues Uh, minimizes the slips that the person might might have as minor uh, exceptions to their progress helps that person to attract their progress helps them to reinforce their successes this is the kind of the cheerleader mentor kind of stage right here the action stage this is the most difficult this is why only 20% of addicted people can be found in one of these last three steps because this is where they have to actually do what it is that's been being talked about Pre-contemplation, they're just kind of being set up for things. Contemplation, they're starting to kind of have to think about some things, but they're still ambivalent about it. Determination, you're trying to get them to actually go to the starting line and get themselves set up. The action phase, they're running and they're cramping. And, you know, there's all this unpleasant stuff which is happening in their lives. And they're getting sick and they're throwing up. And they're having anger issues, and they're having interpersonal issues, and they're having stress issues, and they're coming up with a thousand one excuses for them to be able to relapse, and maybe they will. Maybe they'll slip, but then you have to pull them back in. So the action part of it, I think, is one of the most difficult because it is where you know you talk with them for an hour and a half to two hours, maybe three, and then release them back out into the cruel world where they have the next week to come up with 1,001 excuses so that when they come back, they could have already have slipped. And so you have, this is where the patience of a true professional is really required. At about six months or so, that person can move into the maintenance phase, hopefully, at about six months. That person's made the behavior change, they've controlled their drug use, they continue to work on the behaviors that will keep the changes operative without relapse. They may have a slip here and there, but you as the therapist help to identify and deal with the personal environmental issues that adversely impact their ability to be fully in recovery and that cause them to slip. And you provide feedback and you provide support along with empowerment and teaching them some kind of Uh, self-motivation and some success rules, you help them to learn how to manage their lives without alcohol. And then in the termination phase, which is at about five years, that person has made cognitive and emotional changes that are necessary to support their continuing control of their drug abuse. But there's an old expression that, you know, you're always a recovering alcoholic. Once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. You don't, just because you stopped drinking for five years does not mean that you're not an alcoholic anymore. You're still an alcoholic. It's just that you are more in control of your disease than your disease is of you. Um, So this is where social support systems, uh, such as that person's family, maybe they're continuing to go to AA or some other kind of support group. This is where those things are firmly in place to help that client be able to get over humps that they have in their life that might lead them to a full relapse. The, kind of defining relapse and slippage as being two different things. You know, relapse as being something where they just go full scale back into being an alcoholic, whereas a slip might be, you know, however that's defined for that individual, a drink or two or whatever, and then uh, nothing bad happens. They, it's kind of an, on an individual basis. So, in the Prochaska model, that's what we have we have pre contemplation, contemplation, determination, and preparation and then action, maintenance, and termination. It takes about five years to work their way through all of that stuff. Different kind of assessments that can be used. Um, We have personality inventories that can be used. Uh, The McAndrew Alcoholism Scale, which is a part of the MMPI, McAndrew's been pretty successful in predicting alcoholism and a tendency toward alcoholism. The problem with a lot of personality inventories is that they're unstable over time. Uh, They may detox and get one kind of a score and then after detox they may get another one um or they may they may minimize or exaggerate their addiction in order to throw the MMPI off and uh and manipulate the 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 person who's p- conducting the um uh, inventory. Uh, One which is used a lot, which is a personality inventory, is the SASE, the Substance Abuse Subtle Screening Inventory. Uh, That one has subscales that allow you to use a series of decision rules to determine whether or not that person is a chemical abuser. But again, it's one of those personality inventories where they may try to manipulate that process and and throw you off. There are uh, psychometric methods that uh, are related to alcohol behavior and use, uh, such as uh, the MAST, which is another one which is pretty popular, the Michigan Alcohol Screening Test, and the MAST, what the MAST does is it asks questions about alcohol consumption, asks questions about their drinking behavior. Uh, CAGE is another one, but CAGE is too limited, Uh, it's only a four-item questionnaire, Uh, I think it's uh, suspect. Um, when it comes to uh, any real serious uh, uh, method of handling things. And those 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 things like the mast um, shouldn't be used as a standalone. They should be used in conjunction with something else in order to be able to get something which is going to be uh, a little bit more functional. There are computer-assisted direct measures that you can use, the Addiction Severity Index and the ASI. That's pretty popular. Um, I don't... I, I don't like the the ASI from the perspective that sometimes you'll go into some counseling agencies and they'll just kind of throw Johnny over there on a computer and expect for him to do everything himself. There's, there's some generated software programs that has them doing the majority of the work. But in the case of the ASI, ASI has seven different domains, medical, employment, drug, legal, legal, uh, family social and psychiatric issues and then it rates them from 0 to 9 with 9 being you know having a real problem uh, the ASI is used pretty widely um, I used to use kind of a modified uh, one-on-one direct interview form of the ASI uh, that I really liked uh, there's also an ASIMV uh, which um, uh, is used and, and, and it takes up a little bit less time than what an ASI does Whatever you do during the assessment process, uh, you need to be able to devote the amount of time that is necessary for you to be able to read through the hedging and the minimizing and and the the changing of the subject and the projection and all the little tricks that are going to happen uh, when you're trying to talk with a person who's chemically dependent and when they're trying to throw you off in order to be able to cover their trail. When we talk about principles of treatment and we really don't have too much time left, the Minnesota model is the king dog. The Minnesota model is is a two-part kind of thing. There's a comprehensive treatment team portion of this that takes uh, experts from a wide variety of disciplines that might be in-house to determine what it is that the client might need. And then there's an inpatient 28-day treatment regimen that everybody uses that includes AA um, the bad part of that is that current research indicates that there's not a lot of efficacy to the 28 day program any more than any other kind of program. And a lot of times it ends up being kind of a cookie cutter, uh, with all clients doing the same thing every day. And sometimes what they really need are more individually tailored kinds of approaches. So the, the Minnesota model tends to kind of be on the outside, um, There are STOP programs, uh, what are called short-term outpatient programs, STOP, that have several variations on different kinds of individual and group therapies that might meet once or twice a week for up to two months, and then some STOP programs that run six months. It kind of depends on whether you subscribe to the Prochaska um, belief that it takes at least six months to start to instrument true change before you can ever lead a person to termination. There's an intensive long-term outpatient treatment, ill-taught, used for clients who have relapsed a bunch of times uh, that can last up to 18 months. But the problem with that is that most of these people that you're going to be getting in have been sentenced to, to some form of counseling by a court that only has misdemeanor authority and probably only has them on probation for 12 months, which means that they have to get done with treatment within nine months. Which flies in the face of what care and treatment is all about because if a person only has nine months to go from being an alcoholic to not being an alcoholic, then what are you going to be able to do to get them back in the door for the next three to four years to determine whether or not they've relapsed or slipped during that time frame and provide them with the support that they need? You're not. So the The SMART Counseling Office is going to recognize this for what it is. They're going to do triage for that first six or seven months that they can actually have that person mandated to having to perform within that program. They're going to take that contemporary model that is a principles of treatment approach, and they're going to try to stretch it out. Uh, Form a relationship with that person who needs help such that they will continue to come to the office regardless of whether the probation officer is forcing them to come or not because they realize that they need that in order to be able to be more successful with carrying on with their lives. So that's, that's the quick down and dirty there. Uh, for two hours talking about alcoholics and their addictions and triage care and crisis intervention, being able to understand better the definitions that are involved with alcoholics, the family factors that are involved, the damage that's done to the children, what happens to those children who are adult children of alcoholics, and then taking a look at some of the assessment process as well as the treatment regimen. Uh, My name is Mike. I appreciate having the opportunity to have brought this information to you, to all of our public safety friends out there. Stay safe, do a good job, be professionals, make us proud. We appreciate the job that you do every day. Until next time, thank you so much for being here. Bye-bye now.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's training presentation with your host, Mike Pazesny. Please visit www.tapstey.org. America's best source for online public safety training. Thank you for being America's peacekeepers. Visit www.tapsty.org for more information on how to subscribe or enroll. And learn how you can build a career today.